Welcome to Try, Try Again with Catherine Velez, a podcast dedicated to relationships, one with yourself and others. Are you feeling stuck? You've tried everything, talked to everyone, listened to all the podcasts and Facebook posts and Insta influencer feeds. You went to church and listened. You've prayed and meditated and talked yourself into spinning your emotional and relational wheels in the quagmire that you feel has become your life, or at least parts of it. I don't know if this will help, but it's certainly worth examining since almost everyone at some point in their lives and their relationships feels stuck with no forward momentum, particularly these days. Sometimes we're at the beginning of the journey and we aren't sure how to get started because it feels so overwhelming. Sometimes we've worked hard to get where we are and we're tired. We want to be done. But deep down, we know we aren't where we need to be quite yet. From my own cognitive behavioral therapy training and from the pages of Dr. David Byrne's book, The Feel Good Handbook, I want to provide you things that may be the reason or reasons why you're feeling stuck in yourself and or in your relationship. If you're not familiar, cognitive behavioral therapy is in concept that your feelings, your thoughts, sensations, and actions are all connected and that negative thoughts and negative feelings are keeping you trapped or stuck. I'm addressing specifically things that keep us stuck insofar as our relationship with ourselves or others go, but you can look at this list and see if other areas of your life are affected as well. This examination will require you to be as honest with yourself as possible. And may I suggest for the purposes of this exercise, if you aren't sure it applies to you, examine it anyway, or ask your partner or trusted friend. They know us in ways we don't know ourselves. And often to share that information and be honest, they need to secure a promise from you that you will not be defensive and get angry or hurt if they should be honest about what you're asking. This exercise is not for the faint of heart or fragile of ego, but it can be extremely valuable and you can learn a lot about yourself and grow from it if you can set ego aside. Listen to your heart and to your partner or friend or therapist. (laughs) The first thing that may be keeping you stuck is fear of conflict. And I hear it often in session. What if she gets mad? What if they start to yell? What if they leave me? What if they don't love me anymore? Consider why you fear conflict. What if what you're really fearing is simply confrontation, which is much of what we're dealing with in relationships? I hear people state, I can't handle conflict, when what they're really referring to is confrontation, which literally just means to turn and face. When you're so afraid of turning and facing, think about why. Is your partner or this person unsafe? Do you have a history of trauma that's triggering you? Not being able to confront one another and disagree and work things out without damaging one another or without feeling frightened is one of the main reasons for lack of communication and lack of emotional connection, which often leads to breakup, divorce, and the end of relationship. And sometimes even more painful is when it simply leads to continued avoidance while in the relationship, stumbling 
under the lack of emotional connection, wheezing forward, but without substance. I've worked with a number of couples. One jumps into my mind in particular. They were in their 80s, and they had held on to past hurts from 40 years earlier. Neither one of them could turn and face their partner. 40 years later, to hear them talk about the hurt and damage done because they wouldn't confront one another, it's heartbreaking to hear. I can't imagine how heartbreaking it must have been to live. Number two is perfectionism. Exacting standards might be desired if you're building a home or assembling a jet engine or doing brain surgery, but they usually do not serve us in a relationship, mainly because none of us are perfect. And perfectionism is often about fear and control. When you control someone or think you do, it is not a partnership and not a healthy relationship. Controlling someone is about objectifying that person. They are not free to be themselves, but must be what you think they should be. And when there is control and judgment and perfectionism, healthy love simply cannot exist. When you truly love someone, you love who they are, not the reflection of who you want them to be. The third thing that sometimes keeps us stuck is fear of rejection or criticism. Almost all of us fear or at least dislike being rejected, and most of us certainly don't like being criticized. What I'm talking about is if you're fearing rejection or criticism to such an extent that it's causing you to either avoid discussions of your needs and wants in relationship or causing you to ignore your own needs and behave in a way that's not healthy for you or not what you want, Sometimes the fear of rejection and criticism stems from being taught that love is based on performance. If you're a good girl or a good boy, then you are loved. The fear of being criticized or possibly rejected can sometimes feel like a threat to our very survival and sense of self. If I'm being rejected or criticized, then I have failed to perform, failed to be the good boy or good girl. If I'm rejected or criticized, the failure is mine. If this resonates with you, please examine why. When we are turned away or criticized with unkind words, is it always just a reflection of us? If we start thinking just a little, could it be that someone who rejects us for being ourselves or criticizes us or our thoughts and ideas or the way we look, could it be the problem is with them and the way they're thinking and behaving. Number four, passive aggressiveness. Now, this may be something that is keeping you stuck because you're engaged in this behavior or you're the recipient of it. Passive aggressiveness is a, a pattern of behavior and there's a disconnection between what someone who is passive aggressive says and what they do. You also might see a lot of withholding or gaslighting. Gaslighting can be a form of abuse where someone purposefully behaves in a way that causes you to question your sanity and your ability to trust your own instincts. A somewhat mild form of gaslighting or passive aggressiveness might look like knowing someone's obviously upset and is withholding. And when you ask what's wrong, they answer, I'm fine. Why would you think anything is wrong? This is a form of passive aggressiveness. The passive part is to speak in a manner that says, I'm fine and not upset at all. 
The aggressive part is to withhold and in this example to exhibit a disconnect between what they say and how they're behaving, which causes you to question your own instincts and throws you off. If this is happening in your relationship, address it immediately and in the moment. If you see a pattern of this, it can be a serious psychologically abusive act. If you really want to understand gaslighting, there's the movie called Gaslight with Ingrid Bergman and Charles Boyer, where the term comes from. And if you haven't seen the movie, it's excellent. Number five is hopelessness. Hopelessness is very often a sign of depression. If you're feeling hopeless or if you're in a relationship where the other person is feeling hopeless, I would encourage you to have them work with a professional counselor to help explore the roots of that hopelessness and learning how to use techniques, particularly in cognitive behavioral therapy, that will help pull you or your partner out of that pit of hopelessness. One of the big problems is that hopelessness is often a self-fulfilling prophecy. If we think it, we can create it. If I think I'm going to fail the test and I'm hopeless about ever being able to pass it, the chances have just now greatly increased that I will not pass that test. And I may even sabotage my study behaviors because then when I fail, I can tell myself and others, see there, I was right. I knew I was going to fail the test and I did. Number six is slow self-esteem. It's another reason we can feel stuck. We don't believe we can or we don't believe we deserve. And as a result... This can, like hopelessness, become a self-fulfilling prophecy. This is another situation where I would encourage you to speak with a licensed professional to work on tools to increase your self-esteem. The next big thing that keeps us stuck is impulsivity. When more of our decisions are made impulsively than with forethought, we often find ourselves in great trouble. Of course, there's a big difference between spontaneity and impulsivity. Impulsivity is typically doing things without thinking, speaking without thinking, acting without considering the consequences. The interesting part about impulsivity that I find is that people can be attracted to it in the beginning because it's exciting and maybe even a little dangerous. And we often confuse spontaneity with impulsivity. Spontaneity can spice up our life pattern of impulsivity, particularly in important matters, can ruin a relationship. If this is a problem for you or someone you are in relationship with, talk about it. There are all kinds of techniques and mindfulness tools to use that can help us rein in our impulsive natures. Number eight is mind reading. Now, this is something I very often see in women. Now, I know that's a very stereotypical comment because men are guilty of mind reading as well, but anecdotally in the couples I've worked with, it's typically women. Often women will say something like, it was my birthday and my partner knew I wanted a trip to the wine country and not a weekend at a cabin in the mountains, but that's what he booked. When I ask how he would know that, very often the wife will say, well, he knows me. He knows what I like. And if he doesn't know, he should know. And if he doesn't know, then he wasn't paying attention. If he wasn't paying attention to me, then he doesn't love me. So suddenly we've gone from he didn't get me quite the right gift to he doesn't love me because of mind reading. Partners are not mind readers. And in fact, even if we say something several times, our partner may still need it repeated. We need to be clear in our communication. And in order to do that, we have to be clear in our own thoughts. Now, if you've been extremely clear and you feel like you've worked very hard on this part and still your partner is not listening, then that's a different story. But believing that your partner just should know or should know you well enough or should have been listening more closely, all those shoulds that are rarely good in relationships. So look at this and see if you're doing it or if your partner is. 
Number nine is martyrdom. It's another way we're stuck in life or relationship. If you find yourself in a pattern in your relationship of always going out of your way and making sacrifices to meet the demands or needs of someone else without receiving appreciation or reciprocity, then you might be stuck in this martyrdom pattern. It often relates back to trauma and conditional love based on performance. This is especially true if you feel resentment building because of all the sacrifices you feel you've made. And if you feel victimized in the relationship because of it, many times this is an effort to take control and also to prove to yourself and others that you are the giver who should be admired for doing so. Number 10 is fixing behaviors. And this gets a lot of people stuck in their communications and in their life and relationships. This becomes a problem when someone attempts to share their experience and their feelings and before really listening and validating the partner jumps into problem solving and fixing why bother listening to all those pesky emotions and details when you already know what needs to be done learning to listen without fixing or playing devil's advocate or pointing out what the other person should have or could have done is one of the best and most important things we can do in terms of communication and relationship a great way to avoid this is that once you have heard what's happened and your partner's feelings around it, ask them if they just want you to listen or if they need help problem solving and then follow what your partner needs. And lastly, number 11, addictions, trauma, attachment. This is a very broad category and it can encompass one or more of the previous headings that contribute to our feeling of being stuck. In my opinion, these always require the help of licensed professionals. So I hope at the very least, considering if one or several of these are patterns in relationship to yourself or others is a start. If you would like to talk about these in future sessions, please bring them in. Have a week filled with meaning and love and unstuckness.